Hello, this is Anna from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 30th of December. India reported 13,154 new coronavirus cases over the last 24 hours, taking the country's tally to over 3.48 crore. Today's count is 43% higher than yesterday's count of 9,195 cases. The toll increased to 4,80,860 with 268 new fatalities reported. Do note that these figures are widely believed to be undercounted. Indian SARS-CoV-2 Genomics Consortia in SACOG said that there is now clear experimental and clinical data supporting the very high immune escape potential of Omicron. But it said that initial estimates show the severity of illness being lower than what was seen in previous outbreaks. Cases of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus in India rose from 781 to 961 today. Omicron was first reported in the country on 2nd of December and has now spread to 22 states and union territories. The most Omicron infections have been reported from Delhi, that is 263, followed by Maharashtra, 252, and Gujarat, 97. In Maharashtra, the Mumbai police prohibited gatherings of five or more residents by imposing Section 144 in the city till January 7. State Health Minister Rajesh Topi hinted that more restrictions would be imposed soon if people did not strictly follow the guidelines. Meanwhile, Delhi recorded 923 new coronavirus cases, an 86% jump from Tuesday's count of 496 infections. Despite the surge, the Delhi Disaster Management Authority on Wednesday said it would not impose more restrictions in the city. Delhi Health Minister Satendra Jain said today that 46% of the total cases of coronavirus disease reported in Delhi are of the Omicron variant. He also pointed out that people with no travel history were also found infected with Omicron, adding it is gradually spreading in the community. On the global front, COVID-19 has infected over 280 million people, claiming the lives of over 5.42 million. The United States and countries across Europe are also reporting record new cases. The World Health Organization said that the simultaneous circulation of the Delta and Omicron variants of the coronavirus is driving a tsunami of cases. Experts in Singapore, which is seeing a surge in Omicron cases, have warned that the new and supposedly more contagious variant is likely to replace Delta over the coming weeks as the dominant global variant, with the virus being fitter and having a reproductive advantage. While the national capital is witnessing the highest surge in Omicron cases, it also reported another distressing news earlier this month, in which 16 children fell sick, allegedly after taking dextromethorphan drug prescribed at Delhi's Mohalla clinics. The children were all aged between 1 and 6. In addition, three children died in September and October. Officials investigating the illness and deaths looked into two possibilities, contamination of a specific batch of medicine or a larger dose supplied. At News Laundry, my colleague Shivangi Saxena spoke with the relatives of the children, chronicling the circumstances surrounding their illness and death. You can read her detailed report on our website. It is titled, Cough Syrup Deaths. Why did children fall sick, even die, after taking dextromethorphan? Listeners, as the year draws to a close, it is necessary to reflect on some significant events. 
We at News Laundry produce numerous year-end reports about the major trends in false news in 2021, including how farmers battled Godi Media this year and won, as well as how a section of the big media received readers with advertorials. You can check all these reports on our website, newslaundry.com. Listeners, we are able to bring you reports such as these because we are a self-sustaining media platform that is not reliant on corporate or government funding. We rely on you, our subscribers, to keep us going. So, in the new year, we challenge you to be the change, to disrupt the current media model and to subscribe to independent journalism in order to receive fair and factual news. Even one subscription can make a difference. If you want to help us bring you the stories that matter, go to newslaundry.com and click the red subscribe button in the upper right corner of the screen. Our cheapest subscription is just rupees 300 a month. The Chhattisgarh police detained Hindu religious leader Kalicharan Maharaj today, PTI reported. He was arrested after he insulted Mahatma Gandhi and lauded his assassin Nathuram Godse at a Hindutva rally in Raipur earlier this month. According to Raipur Superintendent of Police, Prashant Agarwal, the seer was apprehended in Madhya Pradesh at a rented property around 25 kilometers from Khajurao town. ANI reported that three Raipur police teams were dispatched to Maharashtra, Madhya Pradesh and Delhi to locate him. An FIR was filed against the leader on Sunday by Congress leader Pramod Dubey at the Tikrapara police station. He was accused of inciting hatred amongst communities. In a video shared on social media, Kali Charan can be seen using an expletive against Gandhi and accused him of destroying the country at the Raipur event. At a Dharam Sansad or religious parliament, Kalicharan remarked, and I quote, I pay my homage to Nathuram Godse. He, that is Gandhi, assassinated him. See, if you don't remove a wart with surgery, it could lead to cancer, unquote. Ram Sundar Das, a former Congress MLA and religious leader at Chhattisgarh's Dudhadari Temple, had walked off the stage after criticizing the organizers for failing to oppose when Kalicharan praised Godse. He said, and I quote, Mahatma Gandhi has been abused on this stage. You, those attending the event, greeted the statement with applause. But tell me, was he really a traitor? Remember 1947, the circumstances in which India attained independence. Gandhiji did so much for the country. That's why he is addressed as the father of the nation. Yet, this is how he is spoken about. Unquote. Six Jaish-e-Mohammed militants, including two Pakistanis, were killed in two separate gunfights in Kashmir's Anant Nag and Kulgam districts yesterday. Inspector General of Police Vijay Kumar told ANI and I quote, Three army jawans and a Jammu and Kashmir police jawan got injured. Later, an army jawan was martyred while the rest are stable, unquote. Two of the six militants' identities were still unknown to the police. After receiving intelligence regarding militants in the Naugam region of Anantnag district, security personnel conducted a cordon and search operation. Armed forces retaliated when the militants opened fire. In the ensuing gunfight, three extremists were killed. According to the authorities, one of them was Pakistani. Three militants were killed in a gunfight in Mirhama village, Kulgam district, in the second attack, according to police. Two of them were from the area and one was from Pakistan. Over the last week, there has been an increase in gunfights between security personnel and militants in Kashmir. Five militants were killed in separate gunfights in the districts of Shopian, Pulwama and Anantnag on Sunday. 
The Centre today prolonged the applicability of the Contentious Armed Forces Special Power Act or AFSPA in Nagaland for another six months. According to Hindustan Times, the decision was made citing the state's situation as disturbed and dangerous just days after forming a panel to review the removal of the controversial law from the state. The contentious law grants the military forces broad powers to conduct operations and arrest people without a warrant. It also grants the forces immunity if they kill someone. For decades, Nagaland, Manipur, Assam, sections of Arunachal Pradesh and Jammu and Kashmir have been subject to the AFSPA. The Union Home Ministry said in a Gazette notification released today and I quote, Whereas the central government is of the opinion that the territory including the entire state of Nagaland is in such a disturbed and dangerous situation that the employment of armed troops in aid of the civil power is necessary. As a result, in exercising the powers provided by Section 3 of the AFSPA, the central government proclaims Nagaland to be a disturbed area for six months, beginning on 30th of December." Unquote. An official on the condition of anonymity pointed out that renewing such notifications on their expiry is a routine practice depending on the ground situation. He added that any decision on the removal of AFSPA from Nagaland will only be taken after the report of the high-level committee led by Vivek Joshi, who is the Registrar-General and Census Commissioner of India, submits its report. The panel was formed in response to public outrage in Nagaland following the massacre of 14 villagers in Mon earlier this month. On 23rd of December, Union Home Minister Amit Shah met with the Chief Ministers of Nagaland and Assam, Nephew Ryo and Himanta Biswa Sharma to make a decision in this regard. An FIR was lodged against former Bihar Minister Tej Pratap Yadav for allegedly omitting information regarding his property in his affidavit filed before the 2020 Assembly elections. According to Samastipur Police Superintendent Manavjeet Singh Dhillon, the FIR was filed under Section 125A of the Representative of People Act in response to a complaint by Sub-Divisional Officer Brajesh Kumar. Kumar said in his complaint that Yadav withheld information about his Gopal Ganj property. Sources familiar with the situation informed Hindustan Times that the ruling Janata Dal United filed a complaint earlier alleging that Yadav failed to include the property in his affidavit. Following that, the Election Commission of India ordered a probe by the Central Board of Direct Taxes or CBDT. The probe found an increase in Yadav's movable and immovable assets between his 2015 and 2020 election affidavits. Yadav was sent with a show-cause notice by the CBDT for providing false information in his affidavit, and he was given three weeks to respond. However, he failed to do so, prompting the ECI to file an FIR against Yadav. A lawyer, Mani Bhushan Pratap Sengar, had requested a CBI investigation into Yadav's assets in 2017. Pakistan announced Wednesday that it had established the first-ever body of Hindu leaders to look after the temples of the minority community in the Muslim-majority country. According to the Hindu, the Ministry of Religious Affairs established the Pakistan Hindu Mandir Management Committee on the model of the Pakistan Sikh Gurdwara Management Committee. 
According to an official release, Minister for Religious Affairs Peer Noor Ul Haq Qadri presided over the first meeting of the Pakistan Hindu Temple Management Committee. Qadri stated that the concerns of Pakistan's non-Muslim minority are being addressed on a priority basis and that the formation of the committee will aid in the resolution of issues affecting the Pakistan Hindu community. Chairman of the Evacuee Trust Property Board, Asif Hashmi, informed the meeting on the issues. He said that the committee will look after matters related to Hindu places of worship. The ETPB is a statutory organization that oversees Hindu and Sikh religious properties and shrines that relocated to India after the partition. Official estimates put the number of Hindus in the country at 75 lakh. Headed by Krishna Sharma, the committee includes Devan Chand Chawla, Harum Sarab Dayal, Mohan Das, Naranjan Kumar, Megha Arora, Amit Shadani, Ashok Kumar, Varsi Mil Devani and Amar Nath Randhawa. Sharma said that Pakistan has created history by constituting the committee on the demand of the Hindu community. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. Also wish you a very happy new year ahead. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 